and welcome to Trebekah Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope this resource draws you closer to God and helps you grow in your faith. This Sunday, Pastor Dwight, our district superintendent, brought a message from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 4. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's a privilege to be with you today, and I wish it was not under these circumstances, quite honestly, in which we find ourselves, but I know we're praying for Pastor Tim and Pastor Shauna and their family as they deal with this incredibly tragic loss. And, and I'm sure you are expressing your uh, compassion and sympathy to them both personally uh, and corporately as a church, and so I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Can, can we just stop this morning for a moment and just lift them up in prayer right here, right now in this moment? Dear Lord, I, I know that Pastor Tim, Pastor Shauna, they're, they're thinking about this place as, as we have already exchanged communications. They're praying for their church. And I hope you impress upon their mind and their heart that their church is praying for them and standing with them in these days. Seven days ago at this time, life was different for them, but we know that you are the God of all comfort, so may you show yourself to be that today and in these days. We're grateful for them and the life they live among us, and may we lift them up and hold them up in these days. In the name of Christ, I pray, and the church said together, amen. amen. Well, we find ourselves in crazy-making days, don't we? And Jade, we're going to miss you. I, I didn't know if you were going to actually do that or not, and, and we're going to miss you, but God's, God's anointed you to lead worship, and, and we're going to miss you. But you, you know it's a difficult year when you see an axiom or an adage emerge right in front of your eyes, you know? Uh, And and here's what I'm talking about. You've already said it. You've heard it. Here's what it is. Well, this is 2020, right? I mean, every every time something crazy happens, we say, well, this is 2020. I mean, it's just, and, and I think for years, maybe we might say, boy, it feels like 2020, you know, or something to that effect. The prophet Joel asked a question that's very applicable, I think, to our day. Joel said, has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors? And, and, and I, I, I 
kind of want to lift that out of Joel, Joel and bring it to us and say, can, we, can, we can ask that question today. Have we ever seen anything like this? We've often called it unprecedented times, um, and, and, and so it is. But God is helping us, and we're, we're headed in a good direction. God is blessing us, and we're, you, you say, what we're going, what are we, what's going to happen? I don't know. Oh, Lord, you know. I don't have a clue. But you, you, you've been in a series through the book of Exodus, and, and uh, Pastor Shauna has done a great job in leading you through this journey. And as we, we're going to zoom in on the Israelites this morning. You heard the text read from Exodus chapter 20. Well, when you think about the journey of the Israelites, we, we, we zoom in on them. They, they are, they've been in the desert of Shur, and, and w- the, when they left the the celebration side, the victory side of the Red Sea. You know what I'm talking about. There was the side of, oh, Lord, we're all going to die. And then there's the victory side where you start writing songs and singing music, you know, and, and like Miriam did. Well, three days later, they arrive at the place called Mara, and that is the place where the water was bitter. They, they had no water. Now they tasted it. It's bitter. And they complained. Imagine that. And God made it sweet. And then they, they, they go to the desert of sin and they grumble against God. Imagine that. And God gave them manna and quail. And then still in the desert, last week you caught up with the Israelites in a place called Rephidim where they found no water. And again they complained. Imagine that. And again he showed them his presence and provision by having Moses strike the rock and, and water flowed. And Pastor Shauna last week uh, pointed out the question from verse 7 of chapter 17. Is the Lord among us or not? You ever felt like asking that? Is the Lord among us or not? And she answered it beautifully with, with another great question. If God is for us, who can be against us? And, and then, and then in Rephidim, they were attacked by the Amalekites, and Joshua led the Israelites in defending and in the battle. And that's that great scene where Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed the mountain. And every time Moses held his hands up and pointed away to God, the Israelites were winning, but he'd get tired and drop his hands. So Aaron and, and Hur got on each side, and they they won the victory, and they learned a new name for God: the Lord is my banner. Then we get to Exodus 18. You didn't know you were going through Exodus so fast, did you? You get to Exodus 18, and Jethro, who is one of the great names in all of Scripture, he shows up and gives Moses a leadership lesson. That's Moses' father-in-law. And the Word says in 1824 that Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. That's a good verse for son-in-laws to underline. Amen. I'm listening for an amen. I don't, I don't hear one in here. I'm listening. I'm looking around for the son-in-law. I can't find him right now. <laughs> but now in Exodus 19, we find them three months out of Egypt, camped at the base of the mountain, still in the desert, in the wilderness. They're not hungry. They're not thirsty. They're not actually complaining. Imagine that. (laughs) Yet, but it's coming. 
And in chapter 19, God answers that question that Pastor Shauna raised or pointed out last week. He answers it again, is the Lord with us or, or not? And God reminded them, if you look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God reminds them of deliverance and, and how God had, had found them in their bondage and he delivered them. Has God delivered you? Somebody ought to say Amen. He, he, he reminds them how he carried them on eagle's wings, getting them someplace they could not get to on their own, getting them out of a bad situation and, and, and lifting them up. I mean, it's that eagle's wings is, is, is significant imagery because it's personal and it's loving and it's, it's really grace in flight. And, and, and as God brought you some through some things something and brought you to a place you could not get to on your own gotten you out of a bad situation and then it, there's a phrase that says he brought you to myself that God didn't just send them he carried them to himself he wanted them by his side has God through this time of COVID and all that's going on has God drawn you to himself have there been those moments when you knew you were in the presence of God you were not by yourself there weren't just two or three but you were there in the presence of God the Father Son and Holy Spirit you see he brought you to he says I brought you to myself and then they arrive in Sinai which is in fact called the desert of Sinai in other words if you've noticed a pattern through all of this they are in the wilderness wilderness our world is in a wilderness time right now the virus is global that's why we call it a pandemic right Racism is pandemic as well. Politics are in a wilderness time right now. Have you ever seen such division in our nation? I mean, I look at it, it's like reasonable people can't even be reasonable anymore. It's, it's unbelievable. We, we go on the narcissist book, Facebook, and we, and we complain about narcissism. And, and I told Karen I wasn't going to preach about that, but I, I, I did anyway, didn't I? I'm sorry. And, uh, but I dare say, since not many of us were around in the war between the states, <laughs> I dare say that none of us have ever seen such anger or hatred or vitriol or division like we're witnessing today. It is unbelievable. The church is even in a wilderness time. And I'm not talking about, you say, are you talking about TCC? I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about all of Christianity that is in a wilderness time. You know, we, we ask questions in this nation like, okay, who in the church is on the right or who's on the left, who's red, who's blue, who's purple? I'll let y'all figure that one out. Are people coming back to church? What's the future of the church going to be can these bones live again, oh Lord, you know? And, 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 and so our world and our, and our, our nation, our, our churches, the church in general, and you might even say under your breath, personally, I am in a wilderness time. And you may be asking the question personally, is the Lord among us or not? Because you see, we have a tendency to focus on, on the past, right? 
I mean, it's what we look at. I wish we could stop focusing our energy on protecting the memory of the past and start living into the promise of the future with God. Can I tell you that for a believer, for a child of God who earnestly seeks God, the best days are always in front of you? Always. Always in front of us. We are in the wilderness. But can I also tell you that the wilderness is not all bad? Let's just stop and think about that a moment. There are things that can happen in the wilderness that can't happen anywhere else. There are lessons we learn in the wilderness we can't learn anywhere else. There are ways we are transformed in the wilderness where we can't be transformed through any, any place else. And that's what I want us to think about. For example, in the wilderness, we discover that God will lead us into growth, not gratification. Remember, the Israelites got one pair of shoes that lasted them the whole time. It's growth, not gratification. The Israelites, even while camped at the base of the mountain of God, complained. Now, they didn't write in that moment, but if you read chapters 20, 21, 22, 23, we'll just go right on through 32, you'll hear their complaints. You have to read them to see that they complained so much that they actually made a false god. They, they, it's the golden calf. And they complained so much that a lot of them died. It dawned on me as I was thinking about this story this morning that, that they actually complained themselves to death. I hope that doesn't happen to anyone in church here today. But they were looking for gratification rather than growth. And they kept singing the same old song. We were better off in Egypt. That was their song. Same old song. I'm like, really? Seriously? Short-term or long-term memory loss, maybe. But usually, our complaints stem from a lack of gratification. They are, at the very least, tied to gratification. I mean, just think about the three top current issues of COVID-19, racism, politics. Our culture seems to be more interested in gratification than in growth. But in the wilderness, God focuses on growth, not our gratification. In the wilderness, this wilderness we're in right now can result in growth. And we need to focus on growth rather than on our gratification. What is God teaching us? How is God shaping us? Are we being sanctified? Are we being transformed through these pandemics that we are encountering? In the wilderness, you focus on growth, not gratification. In the wilderness, we move beyond self-sufficiency into God-dependency. The Israelites began to discover the God-dependent life. Think about manna, quail, water, leadership through the wilderness. In other words, leadership in a time and place they had never been before. Sounds like today. I know these are days in, we've never lived before and talk about an obvious, appropriate, I should say an appropriate statement of the obvious. But this reminded me of lessons I've learned in pastoring, pastoral ministry. And that's this. I am dependent on God for any and every good result. I, I want you to hear that. I am totally dependent on God for any good 
result. Every good result. There's nothing in my life that has ever been done that has been, that has been called good that was not the result of God and God at work. And things that happened could not have happened simply because of leadership that I may or may not have possessed. It was all about the goodness of God. And anything in the future that is going to be good that happens is going to happen because it is all about God. God is the one who brings it about. And I think in a wilderness time, just like the Israelites, we learn total dependence on God in ways that we never have before. And that's not a bad thing. Amen? Well, in the wilderness, we internalize timeless truth that our power is insufficient, but God's power is infinite. Our power is insufficient. God's power is infinite. You think about how God displayed his power among the Israelites, okay? Think about their journey. Plagues resulting in a release from bondage. Part the waters and defeat the most powerful army on earth. Air delivered. I mean air dropped meat, fresh meat, quail to them out in the wilderness. Brought water from the rock. Turned bitter water sweet. Defeated strong organized enemies. They could not have done any of that on their own. God did all of that. Our power is insufficient. God's power is infinite. There's nothing he can't do. I mean, that's, that's a huge statement. There's nothing he can't do. You, you remember, you remember um, the angel shows up to Mary and tells her she's going to have a son and give him the name Jesus, okay? And Mary says, how can this be? And the angel says, what? He says, for nothing is what? Impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. In Luke chapter 18, verse 27, Jesus was talking about a person who was too tied to possessions and it was difficult to get into heaven and it was easier for the camel to pass through the eye of the needle. And the disciples said, if, if, if they can't be saved, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, what is impossible for mortals is possible with God, Okay. Now, that's what the NRSV, how it translates it. Let me translate it from the me message, okay? Here's what the message says. No chance at all, Jesus says, if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. I like that. You can't do it, but God can do it because God can do anything, right? And, and we all know Philippians 4. 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the way the New Revised Standard says it. But I love the way John Wesley translated this in his New Testament. He says, I can do all things through Christ strengthening me. It is this ongoing, present participle, ongoing, continual strength. It's not, okay, I get strength and then I go exhaust that strength. I get strength, I go exhaust it. No, no, no. It is God continually strengthening me. Why? Because my power is insufficient, but God's power is infinite. And in the wilderness, we learn to rely on the power of God. And trust me when I tell you this, the angel did not lie to Mary. All things are possible with God. Well, in the wilderness, we gain perspective. I mean, it's true, isn't it? You seeing things differently these days? 
I mean, who knew so many old people could learn Zoom and chat and Microsoft Teams and Facebook Live and live Great Commission. The, the Ten Commandments. You know, people have, our culture has so misunderstood Ten Commandments for ages. They look at the Ten Commandments, they say, these are the Ten Rules. This is what you're to not do, because most of them are in the negative. So this is what you're to not do. That's the rule. That's the Big Ten. That's it. They missed the whole point of the Ten Commandments, that the Ten Commandments were about mission. The Ten Commandments were all about how the people of God were to live ethically in this world so that all people would worship the one true God. I, I want you to see this. In, 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 in Exodus 19, verses 5 through 6, it's, it's going to be on the slides for you. There are three phrases that are used. The first phrase is, my treasured possession. Israel was chosen by God. From all the, people's, the people groups on the earth, they belonged to God. God delivered them from, bond, from bondage. God created them as a people. He constituted them as a nation. I am the Lord your God, he says in Exodus 20, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is, they are a people because God spoke them into being and called them into being. So they are his treasured possession. They are a priestly kingdom. This is a serving nation rather than a ruling nation. It wasn't about conquering all the nations of the world. It was about serving all the nations of the world. And it involved God's purpose for Israel to, to bring God together with all the people of the earth. See, God's intention was for Israel to be his representatives to all the, all the other nations and to bring to the other nations this God and they are able to say, this is the one true God. We see that God living out in you and, and Israel was to be this priestly kingdom. And then there's the phrase holy nation. They were set apart for this particular purpose. Israel was chosen to have this particular purpose, to bring God to the people. Okay, are you with me? And it says, holy nation. Our God is a holy God, right? So, so you notice the similarity? All right, what's happening here is that, that for Israel to truly represent God, the holy God, Israel was going to have to be holy. In other words, they were going to have to be like God. They were chosen to, by God to be like God, to represent God, so that the world would come to know God. And all three of these phrases represent the mission of God in the world that Israel it has been commissioned 
That's not just a New Testament word. Israel was commissioned to be God's representative to the world, which all belongs to God. And the community of faith, the church, has this same task. This is what we're to do. In fact, Peter grabs this same verse, this same scene, and he says in, in 2 Peter, or excuse me, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9, he says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, and chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others the night and day difference he made for you. You know what bothers me, though? Way too often in the church we are guilty of false representation. How many times have we heard people say, well, I, 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 if, if this is what Jesus is like, then I just don't want anything to do with him. Why? When I look at the character of Jesus, when I look at the life of Jesus, I see nothing but good. I see, I see someone who is incredible. Ask a whole lot more questions and did a whole lot more listening and today, we, we do a whole lot more talking and speaking in absolutes than we do listening. I look at Jesus and I think, he, he's incredible. And, and, and yet people say, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Why? Could it be because the people who were supposed to represent Jesus gave false testimony about him? You see, all of this is tied to the wilderness. You, you can't read the wilderness narratives without tying Israel to their mission and to the wilderness. We walked through COVID-19 and the subsequent social distancing and, and, and we remember our mission of reconciliation and restoration and community. We walked through racism issues and we remember that that is not the way it is supposed to be, that we are a new race in Christ Jesus. In fact, the term that literally means we are a new breed in Christ Jesus. I, you got to see this. Paul said, he's famous for saying in Galatians 3, 28 and 29, there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus and you belong to Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. And then Paul preaches that same message again in Romans 10, verse 12, and in Colossians, where he ties it to being renewed in the image of the Creator. Now, now get this. What he is actually saying is racism is outside of the image of our creator. That Jesus is for all people. Amen? I mean, that is where it goes. And so in the wilderness, we ought to learn that, that racism, as we walk through it, has nothing to do with Jesus. I mean, it has nothing to do with Christ. And in the wilderness, we ought to learn, this can get me in trouble here, not here, but, you know, people see it, you know, that our loyalty lies with the kingdom of Christ, not with a political party. I don't know how to say it any stronger, except to say, Republicans can do what they want to do. Democrats can do what they want to do. 
my goal, my commitment, my loyalty is to the kingdom of Christ. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, does that mean that we don't get involved in politics? Absolutely not, because we're about restoring creation. You hear me? But when it comes down to where our loyalty lies, we as the people of God have to be able to speak truth to power when there are lies told wherever that may be. Well, we'll see what, we'll see what letters Shauna gets. I won't get them, but we'll see what she gets. But we zoom in, pun intended, more clearly on our mission in the wilderness. In the wilderness, we grow in our faith. We have to trust God. Oh, oh, there's so much here. But do you remember when they leave Sinai and they go to the Jordan River and they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River the first time? You know what happens. They panic. Oh, if it's, up to, if it's to be, it's up to me. That was their mantra, though. You won't find that in Scripture. That was their mantra. And so they said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And then they balked at the will of God. And so they turned around and 40 years then ensued in the wilderness. Okay? And if you take that 40 years and then you go fast forward to the second trip, Jordan's at flood stage. People hadn't shrunk all of a sudden over in the promised land. They're still as big as they are, you know. And did they, they didn't even miss a step. They said, follow the ark into the flood swollen river. And they just stepped right on in there, went right on out, got to the other side, let the whole world know that they were coming to Jericho. And they didn't care what happened. From the first time to the second time, all that wilderness time, they grew in their faith. You see, in the wilderness time, we grow in our faith. You, the opposite of fear is not courage, and I, think, I do think courage is a spiritual discipline, but the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is faith, and we have to grow in our faith. And I pray that our, our churches and our Christians will, will be secure enough in their faith, in their relationship with God, to not be forced into an opinion or to in, into a perspective by our culture. That we will not be forced into a fad or shamed to stand up to a cultural fad that is not Christian. For we are about the kingdom of God. And in that, in the wilderness, we grow in that faith. Have you grown in this time? In the wilderness, we double down on things that matter most. I think that's, that's become apparent for some of us. That matter most. And it doesn't stop with the Big Ten, okay? You read, you read Exodus 20 through 23. You'll, you will see how God specifies his own integrity and what he expects of the people and you'll read things about treatment of others including foreigners the poor the widows the orphan and so on today people ask me in my role what what do I think the church will look like when all this is over and I don't think anybody really knows but I do think there are some practices that are going to be time-honored They've cut across all cultures and all generations through all the centuries. You know what those are? They're listed, embossed out in your foyer. Discipleship, 
evangelism, worship, community, and compassion or justice. And the wilderness time allows us to dive deep and even examine and even change methodology without sacrificing what matters most. Because in the wilderness, you just have to make adjustments. In the wilderness, you just have to focus on what matters most. And in the wilderness, we are prepared to enter the next stage of mission advancement. In the Ten Commandments, God was preparing his people for the next stage of mission advancement. This is what I want you to be. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to not do. As the constituted people of God, I'm getting you ready for the next stage of my mission. He was saying to rescue, redeem, and restore the world. And today, even in this time, we're not just wasting time or buying time. In this time in the wilderness... God is preparing us for what he's going to do when this time is over. When we come out of the wilderness, we're going to hit the ground running for missional advancement. In the district office, we're doing ministry now, absolutely. But we're planning to hit the ground running when COVID-19 and all this is over and, and the changes that are being made. I wish I could say there'll come a day when racism is over, but that will not come until there's no, nothing left but the kingdom of Christ. Why is that? Because racism flows from original sin. So as a church, we're going to always have to speak. And we're going to always have to address that. And we're going to have to say, not in this house, because in this house, we are, there is no Jew, nor Greek, slave, nor free, male, nor female, Roman, barbarian, skyven. We're all one in Christ. Amen? I believe in the power of Christ to radically change individuals. I believe that we can be intentional and God can transform people. So when we get in this stage right now, God is at work in us. And if we truly seek God in this wilderness time, then God will transform us into the deeper people that he's called us to be, the more committed people to the part of the mission of God to which he has called us. So while we're in the mission, while we're in the wilderness, what are we going to do? Submit ourselves before the Lord. Pray, trust, seek his face, and let him shape us. Let me wrap it up this morning. We arrive along with the Israelites in the wilderness of Sinai and we hear God say, I saw you in bondage. I heard your cries. I know your suffering. I have delivered you and brought you out of the land of slavery and this is what I want you to be and this is what I want you to do. Why? Because I'm getting ready to use you, Trevecca Community Church, in ways that I have never used you before. I'm getting ready to send you out in greater ways into a world that desperately needs deliverance, into a world that desperately needs a compass, a north star. They need a foundation on the solid rock. They desperately need to know how to live in 
in this world in a way that, that sets them free. And I am sending you to them so they can look at you and see you and see your character and your ethics and your Christ-likeness, and they can learn a new way to be human. I'm sending you there. But in order for that to happen, you have to be like me. Here it is in the wilderness. So in the wilderness today, we're all in it. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you focused on growth or gratification? Do you find yourselves asking more about and irritated more about what you're missing? Or are you praying and seeking God to shape you into something else in this time. What do you need to surrender to the power of God? Addictions, fears, opinions, desires, self, bitterness, our past, our future. What needs to be surrendered? What is going on in your life that is calling for greater trust in God these days? And then what is God doing in your life right now to prepare you for greater missional advancement? You see, I, I think those are questions that are worth asking in these days. And as we walk through these times, I think that's, I think that's something we have to grapple with. Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want to shape me? How am I coming out on the other side of this thing? What does this look like? And I think this is where we have to come to the place where our theology of total, complete consecration and surrender to the Lord, I think that really kicks in in the wilderness. I think it's tested in the wilderness. I think it's tried in the wilderness. But I think when we reach that place, Everything about the wilderness changes. It's just a highway to the promised land. See, that's all it is. So today, as we prepare our hearts to receive communion, we know that the, the, the bread is the emblem of the broken body of, of Christ. And, and we know that the cup is the emblem of his shed blood. And may they be for us the broken body and shed blood of Christ. And as we, as we prepare ourselves to partake of this, I want us to think about what God is doing in our lives in the wilderness. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking, see, I, I trust the Holy Spirit so much, I, I trust Him to talk to all of us, as He does to me, as He impresses on my heart and mind various things. And, and I trust Him to do that in, in us. So this is a time for us to pray and seek his face and to say thank you God that you were Jesus that you were willing to walk through your own wilderness time and by the way his 40 days in the wilderness are directly tied to the 40 days and uh, 40 years of wilderness for the Israelites you can see it I won't preach that sermon this morning but it was in that time that you can see the commitment of Christ to the cross. And there's a time right now that God is calling for our commitment 
pick up our cross and to go to the world, whatever that looks like, however that is. But we follow him. So in the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Let us eat together and be thankful. Then after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. It's personal, folks. It's personal. I carried you on eagle's wings, he says. This is the blood is personal of the new covenant this blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins and the sins of the whole world thank God's got a mission in mind let's drink together and be thankful I'm going to lead us in prayer this morning and, and I'm very aware of social distancing and all of those things, and I know that. And we have the alders in here, and if you want to come and pray today, if God is speaking to you and you want to come and pray today, I invite you to come. Just keep social distancing uh, parameters in place. But I invite you to come as I pray today. I'll give you a moment to come if you'd like to. Dear Heavenly Father, as I seek your face today, I pray, Lord, that you will constantly work in our lives. You know where we are. You know what we're facing. You know what we're dealing with personally as a church, as a district, as a, as a denomination, as a nation, as a world. You know all that. And we trust that. You know you're not surprised that we're in a wilderness time right now. You, we, we understand that. We get that. You know it. And in this time, you brought us to yourself in the middle of the wilderness. You've delivered us. You've chosen us. You've called us. You've given us a mission. You're reminding us today of what this is all about. And I pray that you protect us, protect the people of this church. And may this church be doing exactly what you have called us to do, to be on the front lines in prayer, to act with reason, and in the same time to show love and compassion to people, to not cower in fear, but to grow in our faith and trust you in all that we do and, and take care of one another and be our brother's keeper. That's, that's what you've called us to do in all of this, so we trust you in all of this shape us, transform us, help us become the people you have called us to be in this time. Develop our character, sanctify us through and through so that we truly represent you and not misrepresent you. And then send us out into the world ready to be missional people, joining you in your work and all that you do. Help us surrender anything from our past that is holding us back. 
anything that is, that is blocking our way, we trust you and we're grateful. And now, Lord, we bring all of these things together and we pray them in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to worship with us next Sunday, we'll be having an online service at 8 a.m., which you can access through our Facebook page, and two on-campus services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. For more information, check out our website. Thanks again for joining us. I hope to see you.